Good morning. It is good to be together. We want to start by thanking Garrett. He did a wonderful job reading our scripture today. I believe there is nothing more important than the time that we spend in scripture. And so for him reading today, uh, we greatly appreciate that. This morning as we begin, I want to start by saying thank you. It is so good to see each one of you here. I recognize that uh, Kevin posted on the Facebook that I would be speaking today, so I figured most of you would stay home. But evidently you didn't check your Facebook. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 16 through 18 for our main text this morning, and we will be talking about setting our sights on the unseen. But I've got some special helpers in the crowd today, and I need them to follow along with me because... I do not have one word for you to keep up with. But don't worry, Emery, I've got two. So I need you to keep track of the word up, and I need you to keep track of the word down. You got that, Lucy? Up and down, either one. Here we go. I don't care if you do two separate groups and you say up and you say down, or if you say up and down, it's up to you. But we're going to talk about things that are above. Things that are up. As we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, I've titled our lesson, Setting Our Sights on the Unseen. Now it comes directly from the verse, the point being found within it. But setting our sights on the unseen is somewhat of an oxymoron. It says, well, you focus real close but focus on something that you can't see. Focus on something with all of your might, but it's not something that when you focus, it's going to be evident because it's clear, it's see-through. And the idea being we are looking at something that is not physical, yet we're looking at the spiritual. As we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning, I want to start out with the idea of clearing out your mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart. You know, as I think about Satan's desire, I believe more than anything, he wants you to give up. He wants you to throw in the towel, to wave the white flag, he wants you to say, I quit. You should say, it's not worth it anymore. He wants you to lose heart. I think Ephesians chapter, cha- Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1 where it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the trickery of the devil, one of his devices. One of the things that he uses, I believe, one of his greatest tools is that of man losing heart. We can come to a point where it just seems as though we can't win, where all we do is lose. But rather, if you go back to verse 16, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, he contrasts that with the next section. He says, even though our outward man is perishing, Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. 
He said you can lose heart. And then he contrasts it with the physical breaking down of our body. He says, look, your body is depleting. It's falling apart. The hurts and the pains, they start to be more evident. The arthritis starts to tell you when the weather changes. You see all the the reality of the pain that comes as our body gets older is is completely summed up in that where our spiritual life, it says, is being renewed day by day. I've heard it said, when you think about your life, as you come to the end of your days and the close of your life, very likely you at your weakest point in life could very possibly be the strongest you've ever been spiritually. Right before you, met, you, you meet your maker, you spent a lifetime studying, growing, getting closer to God, growing in your prayer life, growing in your spiritual life to a point where when death is imminent, when it's real, when it's happening, you should be at the strongest point you've ever been. Psalm chapter 90 and verse 10 says the days of our lives are 70 years or he says, and if by reason of strength it's, they're 80 years. He said, really, this is not important. He says, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. But the idea is that 70 or 80 years still is what? It's nothing. You know, when he says set your sights on things that are up, things that are above, the idea is there's something more important than the pains that I'm dealing with. There's something more important than the hurt that I feel right now and I can't give up. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 2 it says there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and notice there's a time to pluck up what is planted. It's a reality within life that death is going to happen. But also a reality is that eternity will be. The question is, will it be up or will it be down? Which direction will we go when this life is over? We have to be prepared. Notice in verse 16 that our commitment continues to grow. It doesn't stop. At the end of verse 16 he says, Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. In the devotional Wednesday night, as Dio mentioned, we make a commitment. We make a commitment to the Lord at baptism, but it's not over, yet it's just the beginning. Each day we wake up with that reinvigorated spirit that I'm going to live for Jesus today. We made a commitment when we were baptized that that is our mindset. It's our goal, so each day we wake up with a new commitment to the Lord. It's renewed day by day. Just as excited as you were that first day where you understand that you gave your your life to Christ, we can wake up and say, I gave my life to Christ today. We understand that our commitment is something that has to grow. If it doesn't grow, the only thing that is a possibility is dying. Your faith is either getting stronger or it's getting weaker. And so therefore we make a commitment to continue to grow. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23 
It says, Then he said to them, If anyone desires to come after me, Jesus says, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's a lifestyle. It's a commitment where we continue to grow in the Lord. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, he says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Romans chapter 12, look at verse 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living, remember that daily, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He goes on into verse 2, he says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We see our commitment to the Lord needs to continue to grow. All right, we made it through verse 16, the clearing out of our mind. Now I want you to recognize in verse 17 the insignificance of our problems. Verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The insignificance of our problems. You know, as I think about this, it's only insignificant if you've got on the right glasses. It's only insignificant if you are focusing on the right thing. You know, our problems are always major problems. Our problems are always big, and they might not be that big of a deal to anybody else, but they're really big to us. I'll give you one example that comes real close to home for Jared. One of my biggest problems is when I lose my keys, I have a meltdown. I believe I have to know where they are, and I have to know right now I cannot continue to go on without knowing where it is. I have like this, this mental lapse where I cannot think about anything else. I have to find my keys, and so I'm so worried. And I'll be like, well, Anna, I'm going to drive the church building. Maybe I left them up there. And she said, it'll be fine. You'll find them. Just use the spare set. I said, I can't do it. So I drive up to the church building. I look. They're not here. And I drive home, and I search the house, and I flip the couch. I go through the trash. I go out in the trash outside, and I open all the bags, and I open through all the pieces. I get in besides the, beside the side of the car seat, and I look, and I look, and I search diligently until I find them. To me, it's a major issue. I understand for a lot of you, you'd be like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You lost your keys, you're going to find them. Well, I'll give you an example. My wife, on the other hand, loses her keys the other day. We were moving. I'm like, what are you going to do? You don't have your keys. She said, it's okay, I'll just use the spare set. My mind was blown. How can you do that? Two days later, we still don't know where the keys are. I said, Anna, we never found the keys. We're never going to find them. She said, oh, it'll be all right, we'll find them. Four days later, we find the keys laying wherever they got left. And she said, oh, yeah, I knew we'd find them. I would, have, I would have lost it. I couldn't have dealt with it. To me, it was a major problem. But to Anna, it didn't matter. Let me tell you about another major problem. Right now, at our house, we just move into it. You know, we've been putting in all this work. And the cabinets are not done, okay? I look up at the wall, and I'm like, hey, we can, we can put dishes on the countertops. But to Anna, we have a major problem because the cabinets aren't done. What I'm telling you is, no matter who you are, when the problem is your problem, it's a big deal to you. 
Let's come a little bit closer to home. I know there's some that are at home right now. I believe Mr. Tucker got sick. And it was noted on Facebook that, that he was sick. And right now, to mom and to dad, it's the biggest deal that could possibly be going on in their lives. They've got a major problem, something that's huge, something that's overtaking. Well, it goes deeper. I know people that are struggling with cancer. Right now, the biggest problem that they have to deal with is the fight that they're going through. I know people that have lost loved ones. And let me tell you, it's a major problem. They go through holidays with someone that they miss. They realize that they're not there and it's their first holiday. And it's a major problem. I spoke to someone just the other day that's a friend in regards to losing someone that they love and they said, you know, they said the world's just not quite the same. It's a major problem. I'm not here to tell you that your problems are insignificant. But what I am here to tell you is if you put your view, your focus in light of the cross, if you put your focus on that of eternity, he said, but our light afflictions, the problems that seem so big to us, he says, they're really not... They're not quite as significant because we're working for something that much better. You can go ahead and mark it down in your notes. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 30. I talk about my insignificant problems. Talk about some other major problems that people deal with. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And the writer here in 2 Corinthians, Paul, writes about some of the major problems that he had. He talks about some of the major things that have gone on in his life. Shipwreck, being beaten, being stoned. All these different things that took place in his life. And the reality is, the same Paul that writes that just a few chapters later, penned the verses in chapter 4 and verse 17. He said, for our, mine and yours, our light affliction. Focus on the things that are up. Focus on the things that are the unseen. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you look at verses 7 through 9, Paul there talks about his thorn in the flesh. Was it a big deal for him? Absolutely. Did he pray about it? Absolutely. Did he get the answer that he wanted to hear? Absolutely not. But as you look there in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he says, Therefore, most gladly, at the very end, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, if I'm going to be proud of one thing, if there's something that I can boast in, he said, I'm thankful for my infirmities, for my problems. Notice our problems that are always are major, that always for us are major, are counted as insignificant. Why is that? Because life is short. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17, he says, which is but for a moment. You think about the problems, whether you have that problem where it's a lifelong affliction, 
It could be that you have, have a deformity or something that you always wished that you could do and you weren't able ever to, to do that. Or it could be that you've got this problem that you lost your keys and it seems like it's really major right now, but three days from now you won't even remember that, remember that you lost your keys. He says it's just for a moment. If it takes all 80 years, if it takes one day, if it takes three hours, the reality is, in view of eternity, it's just a blip. It's just a small dot on the radar. James chapter 4 and verse 14 says, Whereas you do not know what will happen on tomorrow, for what? What is your life? It's even a vapor. It's here for a little while and then it vanishes away. You got the teapot as it goes up and there it goes. The vapor is gone. It disappears. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. The problems down here do not compare to the glory up there. Focus on the unseen. I also want you to notice that our problems build us up. This is one of my least favorite things. As you think about these problems, the problem is you've got to go through the problem process for the building up to take place. James chapter 1. Verse 2, 3, 4, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. He says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. He says in verse 4, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, or perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The idea is you can be just what you need to be through our problems. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 13 says, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Christ suffered, and within our sufferings recognize the glory in Christ. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 17, at the very end of the verse it says, If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified. Together, we see our problems build us up. Our problems make us better. And as much as I hate it, we have to go through these problems as part of the growth process. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to look at our last verse. Second Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 18. Here it says... While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. He says, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The eternality of our hope. Our hope is something that is far greater than that small spot that we recognize right now. Our hope is something that is eternal, it goes on, it continues forever. So that life, this short time that we lived here, will seem as nothing. In verse 18, he starts out with focusing on the spiritual. He says, while we do not look at the things which are seen. You know, we walk outside, we look around, and all we see is physical. 
He says, don't look at the things which are seen, but the things that are unseen. Now, when he says the things that are unseen, he's not talking about the wind. Although you don't see it, we're still talking about something very physical. He's not talking about the air, although you don't see it. He's still talking about something like the air, which is very physical. But he says, focus on the things which are not seen. Focus on the spiritual Luke chapter 9 and verse 26, Jesus said to him, no one, having is putting, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. He says, keep looking forward. Don't turn back, but look forward. Where's your aim? Where's your goal? Your purpose? Where are you headed? You know, as a young boy, I used to plow and disc gardens for everybody in town. Now, I did it because I wanted to get paid, but I would go into these, these different people's houses and we'd, we'd find a place in their yard and, and we'd have to start them a garden. But when you get to someone that's got more of a field and they want a real big garden, as you look out, at the very beginning, you have to pick out a point and you aim for it and you keep your eye on it and you go and you go and you go. I remember times where I didn't do that. And you look back and you're like, well, that was pretty crooked. God gave us the guideline, and yet I wanted to watch the dirt turn. He says the one that takes their hand to the plow, looking at it through how they did it, he said, and looking back is not set for the kingdom of God. Is not fit for the kingdom of God. What's the design? If you want to go home, set your sights on Christ and keep trucking. Set your sights on Christ and keep going. Set your aim up and keep marching ahead. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13, he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and what? And Pressing, pressing ahead, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the prize of the high calling. He says, I keep going. I aim for Jesus, and that is where I'm going. Don't let the problems of life set you back. Don't let the problems that we go through lead us to turning around. But set your sights on things that are above. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, he says, And we know that all things work together to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to His purpose. I think sometimes we get the wrong idea here, and that is, well, if I love God, that new Corvette's going to show up in my driveway. If I love God, the next latest and greatest gadget is going to be mine. I think the idea in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, you set your sights on the things that are above. And not on the things of the earth. If you're a Christian, if you put God first, what's the reality? Eternal hope is yours. Within setting our sights on things above, we must understand 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. This world will be destroyed. There's not much to this place. As pretty as it is, as beautiful as it is, when you walk out the doors and you look around... In verse 18 he says, But the things which are not seen, 
For the things which are seen are temporary. They're passing away. Remember we talked about the body 70 or 80 years? Well, the reality is the earth is here for a time. But it soon will pass away. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 10 it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. He said, In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements with, will melt with fervent heat. He said, Both the earth and the works that are in it will all be burned up. The idea is the end for the physical is coming. Earth will be destroyed. The things that are here that are physical will pass away. Now you look at 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10 and when he talks about the heavens, he's talking about the look up. When you walk outside and you see the beauty of the sky, you see the rain falling down through the, from the clouds... He says, all of this, the physical, will be destroyed. It's going to pass away. But the reality is, we've got to be ready. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, it says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. It talks there about the, the prophecy. But the reality is, no matter what, the words of Christ will hold true. That's why in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 it says, No one can serve two masters, for either will love the one and he will hate the other. He will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The idea is we must choose Christ. The words of Christ will be those that judge us. John chapter 12 and verse 48. And the question is, which side of life will we stand on? When you talk about focusing on the things above, do we let the physical, do we let this earth overtake our focus because it's so easy to see? Or do we focus on the spiritual? You know, as you look at Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 1 it says, Now faith is the substance of, is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. We walk by faith. And not by sight. The reality is we look forward to something better. And because of that we have the eternal hope. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 14 says. For here we have no continuing city. Now they're talking about Jerusalem in the present tense. As they're like oh, our city is as great and beautiful as, as it is. But it's very applicable today. Because according to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. Olive Branch or whatever city you live in is no different. Here we have no continuing city, but we seek one that is to come. This city is not my home. This county is not my home. This state, this country is not my home because I look forward to something so much better. We're continuing on. We're aiming for that city which is to come. That place prepared by Christ. Before we get there, according to... John chapter 14, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. He said, and if I go prepare a place, he says, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Finally, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, recognize that our spirit lives on. He says, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It keeps going. 
and going. You might remember the old commercials, the Energizer Bunny, here it comes, bang, 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 bang. It keeps going and going and going and going. The reality is that Energizer Bunny battery is going to run out. But your spirit will live on. It keeps going and going and going. Trying to fathom eternity is something that I cannot do. I can think about it. But from a, a physical human standpoint, I just don't think I can fathom it. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 says we're headed to an, to an inheritance. Incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away. He says it's reserved in heaven for you. That's where I'm headed. I want to go to that home that doesn't fade away, that doesn't disappear, that doesn't bleach out. But rather it's as vibrant and perfect forever as it was at the very beginning. I want to close with Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, it says, If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. It goes on in verse 2, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Why? It says in verse 3, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. If you made a commitment to our Lord, if you chose to be buried in water, putting on Christ in baptism, you made a commitment to continue on in Him. You gave up your life, and now Christ lives in you. But if you haven't given your life to Christ, you know, you've got the opportunity... We can have the eternal hope. Outside of Christ, there is no such thing. And so I ask you today, where is your hope? Is Christ living in you? Remember Paul said, for me to live is Christ. I want the world to see Christ through me. Why? Because Christ lives in me. Because I gave up my life. It's not about me. But now it's about Christ. I pray that all can understand the hope that is enjoyed through Christ. But if you haven't, let me tell you. The Son of God chose to live here. Upon this earth, leaving the glories of heaven because He wanted us to have hope. He did it perfectly, and the problem is we didn't. So within that, there had to be a justification process. There had, to be, there had to be a punishment for our sin, and Jesus chose to bear your sins. When Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't for anything wrong that He had done, but it was because of us. But through Him taking on those sins, through Him being willing to give His life for sin, we have an opportunity to live. The question is, are you willing to give your life to Him? Confessing Him before men, giving up on the sin that's in the past,
and making a goal of pressing towards the mark. We see one is baptized into the water, they're buried in the water, and they come up. It says they rise to walk in newness of life because the commitment's not over. They must continue to live for the Maker. If you haven't given your life to Christ, I ask you, why not? Are you looking up? Is your aim for the things which are not seen? If you're looking forward to the glories of heaven, it only happens if we're faithful to His cause. It only happens if we give up our life and Christ becomes our life. If you haven't given your life to Christ, make that change this morning. Please come as we stand and sing.